the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Come experience the epic portrayal of God's love for His creation. The Mercy Tree is a monumental live stage performance held at Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. You can choose from 10 presentations starting Tuesday, April 11th and continuing through Easter Sunday. See the miracle of Easter come to life on stage in jaw-dropping scale. Get your free tickets at MercyTree2017.com today. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Overcoming is not something that just happens automatically. It doesn't happen just instantaneously. Overcoming is a process. Spiritual overcoming is learning how to conquer these things that are holding you back, that are limiting you, brokenness in your life, dysfunction in your life, spiritual strongholds that need to be addressed. It's a process. It never happens in one fell swoop. Generally, it involves us walking with God over a period of time and responding to Him the right way. To illustrate this, I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson this weekend. One of the most interesting parts of Israel's history is the experience they had coming out of Egypt and going into the Promised Land. That makes up a major portion of the story of the Old Testament. This is the Sea of Galilee, northern part of Israel. The Jordan River runs down into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has no outlet to it. The children of Israel were in Egypt. And of course, we know the story of how they came across the Red Sea, and they traveled across the Red Sea down into the wilderness, down below the Dead Sea, to to a place called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God gave them his law. Uh, He gave them moral laws, ceremonial laws, and civil laws that were given to them to obey, and the establishment of their nation, the understanding of what was right and wrong and how they were to live. And then God brought them to a place where it was time for them to start moving toward the promised land. But instead of moving into the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies to check the land out. You'll remember the story. And the 12 spies come back and 10 of the spies say, well, it's a beautiful land, but boy, it's really going to be hard for us to take this land. We're not going to be able to actually conquer it. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, yes, we can. But the majority went with the 10 spies. And so they ended up, Israel ended up kind of wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. They're kind of wandering around aimlessly in the wilderness and wandering all around this territory. No one's quite sure the exact route that they took, but uh, there's certain points along the way that are identified in Scripture where they would stop as a part of their journey. But they're wandering around. Let's just for the sake of illustration say they wandered around for 40 years in this general location until it came time, until Moses died, and it came time for them to enter into the Promised Land. So God brought them up around the back bottom end of the Dead Sea to the Jordan River where they were to cross over and to the first place that they would go and take was a city by the name of Jericho. Exactly. Okay. Some of you know your biblical history there. Okay. What I want you to see is that in these 40 years 
of wandering in the wilderness, Israel had approximately two battles, okay? Some skirmishes along the way, but two kings that they actually had to conquer during this period of time, okay? And so they had two major battles, had maybe some other skirmishes and battles along the way, but two kings that had to be conquered. Now, I want you to see that when they came out of Egypt across the Red Sea, they were delivered from slavery, correct? Right? Were they free people then, right? Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go. And eventually they come out and they are liberated. They are free. And so when you bring this into the New Testament, this picture of Israel coming across the Red Sea is a picture of salvation. It's the picture of Jesus bringing you through the waters of baptism into salvation experience with Christ. And so you are liberated. You are free. But you know, you can be a Christian and still spend 40 years wandering in a wilderness. And although these folks were free, they were free externally, but they were not free internally. They were still living with a slave mentality. They were still living bound up by the thought processes of Egypt that they'd never been able to shake. And so they're wandering around in a wilderness. They are free, but they're not liberated from things in them that they need to be set free up from. And they haven't yet entered into the promised land that God has for them, okay? They're wandering in the wilderness. They haven't entered the promised land. So eventually, Joshua leads them across the Jordan River. They go into the promised land. And this promised land, to occupy the promised land, was not a piece of cake. To occupy the promised land involved warfare. Because they're going to start fighting. There are seven nations in the promised land that have to be driven out so that Israel can now possess the land. And so seven nations that have to be addressed. And so they go into the battle. They cross over the Jordan River miraculously. They go into this land of promise. And according to the book of Joshua, they have to engage in battle and end up dealing with 31 different kings that they have to conquer to get the promised land. And God's plan for you and me is that he does not want you spending your entire Christian experience wandering around in a wilderness. God wants to take you into a promised land, but if you're going to go into a promised land, you've got to be ready for some battles, and you have to be ready to become an overcomer. You've got to learn how to fight. Because if you don't fight for victory, if you don't fight to drive some things out of your life, if you just sit back and let those things that have always been a part of you remain a part of you, I promise you, you'll never experience the more life that Jesus has for you. But I will tell you that one of the things that is critical in you growing up in your faith is to learn how to be a fighter. So part of what I want to do in my message today is I want to put some fight in you. I want to charge you up today to run into your promised land, realizing there are going to be some battles that you're going to need to fight, some things that you're going to need to do, but God is going to enable you to become an overcomer. There are things that have hounded you and dogged you for all of your life that this is the time and this is the season that it is the time to overcome them. It's the time to leave them behind. So our choice is let's become overcomers. I will overcome come. And so what I want to do today for the next few moments, I'm going to take you to the New Testament book of Revelation. And we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And we're going to look at seven letters that Jesus sent to seven different churches. They're called the seven churches of Asia Minor. And these are the letters that Jesus dictated to the apostle John when he was on the Isle of Patmos to seven different churches. 
And what you will notice as we go through these seven principles that we'll look at today is you're going to see that in every one of these letters that Jesus sent to a church, and again, he, this is the, the resurrected, ascended Jesus by revelation, giving these letters to the apostle John, who will deliver them, write them down, and make sure they're delivered to these churches. But what you'll notice is that in all of these letters, Jesus uses a word over and over again, and the word is overcome, 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 overcome. And from these seven letters, I'm going to give you seven principles or seven rewards today that if you will choose to be an overcomer, here are seven things that will happen in your life. Are you ready to dive in together? Here we go. Number one, overcomers experience a fuller, richer life. Jesus speaks of this in Revelation chapter two, verse seven. It's it's the letter to the church at Ephesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To him who, circle the word there, to him who overcomes. So who is he talking to right now? Overcomers, right? To him who overcomes, here's the promise, let's continue. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Jesus said to those that learn how to overcome, there's going to be a kind of food that they will experience. There is an access to the tree of life. The tree of life represents what was in the Garden of Eden that sustained Adam and Eve when they lived in the Garden of Eden. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they had the tree of life available to them that brought them their richest and fullest and most meaningful life. See, it will be very satisfying to you in your life when you finally leave behind some of the brokenness that has dogged you for years, some of the bondages, some of the hindrances, some of the weaknesses, some of the strongholds that have been a part of your life for perhaps decades, when you leave those behind, you will discover a more full and rich and meaningful life. Overcomers experience that, Jesus said to him who overcomes. They're going to eat of the tree of life. They'll be full and find a richness of life that others do not. Number two, overcomers avoid unnecessary life, pain, and destruction. To the church in Smyrna, we find these words in Revelation 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who, circle it again, so who is he talking to? Overcomers. He who overcomes, here's the statement, shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, while Jesus certainly was speaking here, and by the way, there are various levels of understanding in these passages. I'm just pulling out one aspect of their application in our lives. But Jesus was certainly speaking of eternal separation from God. He says those that overcome will not experience the second death. It will not be eternally separated from God. But there's another principle for us in this as well, that we will not be hurt by things that can create death in your life. You know that when you give in to the hindrances and the bondages of Satan, the weaknesses, the things that have been strongholds in your life for so many years, when you live in them, you're actually opening up your life to a dimension of death rather than life. And Jesus said, if you'll learn to be an overcomer, there'll be some pain and destruction in your life that you don't have to experience any longer. To the church at Pergamum, Jesus speaks these words, Revelation two seventeen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
to him who overcomes. Here's the promise. I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name, this identity, written which no one knows except him who receives it. What you discover when you begin to overcome stuff in your life, when you say, I'm going to go in to my promised land. How many of you want to occupy your promised land? Amen? When you go in and you start fighting some of these battles, you got all these kings in here that are trying to control your life, habit here, and a bondage here, and a hurt here that you never addressed in your life, and some kind of spiritual stronghold here. When you go in and you start attacking these things in your life, you're going to discover resources of God that you never realized were there. Because God partners up with people who become fighters. Studied in the scripture, every time that God led the children of Israel into a battle, God never deserted them in the battle. God showed up and helped them fight the battle. And many times, God fought the battle for them. They discovered things about God that they would have never discovered had they not been a fighter. You discover resource. You also discover an identity. As long as you lay down in the face of those things that are holding you down, a habit in your life, an addiction in your life, a stronghold in your life. As long as you lay down to that thing and you refuse to fight it, your identity will always be in that thing. You'll always have an identity as a victim. And God never designed you to be a victim. God did not design you to be a victim. The next thing that we see, this is number four. Overcomers become positive leaders and influencers of others. Revelation 2, 26. This is the church at Thyatira. And he who, circle it again. So who is he talking to? Overcomers. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him, I will give power over the nations. Circle that word power. I will give power over the nations. There is a power that comes to people who begin to realize that they are walking in an overcoming mindset. and They become positive leaders over other people. I will tell you that what our world needs today is we don't need a lot of of humanistic solutions. The world needs today a strong and mighty church that stands up and says, we know how to overcome in Jesus Christ. So you will become a person that has leadership capacity and leadership influence to people around you when you rise up and begin to conquer some things in your life. Others will look at you and say, that's the way I want to live. Number five, overcomers experience increased favor with God. Revelation 3 verse 5, this is the church at Sardis. The letter that Jesus sends through the apostle John to the church at Sardis. Revelation 3 5, he who... Let me stop again. I know I'm reiterating this, but who is he talking to? Overcomers, okay? He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Notice that particular phrase there, I will confess his name. Overcomers experience increased favor with God. I want to talk to you just for a moment about the favor of God upon your life. Favor is a word that basically means demonstrated delight. So it's not just delight, but it is demonstrated delight. And the favor of God can be described as tangible evidence that a person is living in the approval of God. 
When God puts favor upon your life, it is a tangible way that God begins to do things in your life that show forth his approval upon your life. It doesn't mean that God loves you more when God begins to favor your life, but the favor of God is just an indication that you're living in a way that pleases God, so there's a favor upon you. That is, God begins to do things for you that otherwise you would not be in a position to experience in life, and I will tell you that with the favor of God, God can do amazing things in your life that you could never, ever accomplish on your own by His favor. It doesn't mean He loves you more. It just simply means that you're living and walking in His favor. The Bible says that when you and I make the decision to be overcomers, God says, I love somebody with a spirit like that. Even the first time that God tried to take them into the promised land and the 12 spies were sent in, 10 of the spies said, no, we can't do it. No way. Impossible. Two of the spies said, yes, we can. They were in line with God. And God said, those two guys have the spirit of God upon them. And I'm going to, everybody else is going to die in the wilderness. But these guys are going to go in to the promised land. They're going to make it. So even favor was going back in that part of the story. So favor is a dimension of overcoming. Number six, overcomers are God's go-to people. Revelation 3.12, the church at Philadelphia. Read together with me. He who, so who's he talking to again? Overcomers. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, who comes down, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. The one phrase I want you to note there is that he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar. I will make him a pillar. Pillars support. Pillars are steady. Pillars are stable. Pillars are unmoving. Pillars can be counted on. Overcomers are God's go-to people. Pillars are the kind of people that God can build things with. And when God looks around and he needs a job to be done, when he's looking for people that he can count on, when he's looking for someone to help him build his church and build his kingdom, he's looking for people who've decided to be an overcomer, not those who are lying down in the face of the adversary and letting the devil trample all over them and continuing to live in their same weaknesses and patterns and habits of the past. But no, this person says, I'm not going to live in that garbage any longer. Jesus has set me free. I'm not going to spend the rest of my day wandering around in a wilderness. I am going in to my promised land. I will be an overcomer. Jesus said, that's a pillar. I can use somebody like that. I build with people like that. That's a go-to person. Go-to person. Number seven, overcomers discover more of the greatness of God's power. Revelation 3.21, this is at the church at Laodicea. To him who Overcomes. He's talking to overcomers. I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Circle that phrase, to sit with me on my throne, or underline it. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. A throne represents a place and a position of authority. A throne represents a place and a position from which authoritative proclamations are given authoritative power is executed. And Jesus says that when you learn to overcome, 
you will begin to experience a dimension of power and authority in your life that you've never known before. Just like I am seated on my Father's throne, you will be seated on the throne with me. That is, you will learn to exercise authority over the adversary. What I want you to see is that when Jesus died on the cross and gave his life for you and I for every sin that we've ever committed, died for our sins, substitutionary death of Christ, and he rose again victoriously on that third day, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says that God has given him a name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There was a stamp of approval placed upon Jesus that said, He is my authority now. His voice speaks with authority. That's why the disciples you see in the early church, when they would minister, they always ministered in the name of Jesus. Why? Because they were utilizing the authority. And I will tell you, you can use the name of Jesus all day long, but if you don't have the authority relationship with Him that backs it up, you're not going to have any real authority in your life. But overcomers can say in the name of Jesus, and they've learned that that name makes a difference because they've experienced the difference it's made in their lives. And there's something that happens when you begin to experience the difference that the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus makes in your life. It causes you to rise up with an understanding of the utilization of that authority as you move forward in ministering to other people in the way that you live your life. There's a conquering that happens. In Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's trying to help them to understand some of the things that we're talking about today. And he writes these words, know in all these things we are more than what? More than conquerors. Same word, conqueror, same root word, I'll say, in, in Revelation that's used here. So I'll, I'll give a little different variation of it in a moment. But it says, now, know in all these things we are more than, more than overcomers, okay? We could use that same translation, more than overcomers. Through him who loved us, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to note the phrase there that we are more than conquerors. You are called to be a conqueror. You are called to be an overcomer, but not just a conqueror or an overcomer, but more than a conqueror, more than an overcomer. This word more than a conqueror or more than an overcomer, the Greek word hyper that's the word hyper over conqueror. You will perhaps most obviously recognize this word in our English language by the sports equipment company, Nike. Nike, it was a Greek goddess that represented the goddess of victory. And so that's where the swoosh is all about. It's the wings, if you will, of victory, okay? And so when the apostle Paul was looking for, by the way, Nike didn't exist in Paul's day, just so you know this, okay? But when Paul was looking for a word to describe what we were called to be, he said, I think the best word I can use is not just nikeo, overcomer, but hyper that is your call to be an over-overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. 
Now think about Nike for a moment. Why does Nike want you to wear their apparel? They're not selling you just apparel. They're selling you an image. The image is that when you put the squish on your tennis shoes, okay, and you got the squish on your golf shirt or your jacket, when you put that on, you feel like you're in a lot better shape than you really are, okay? (laughs) There's something that rises up in you that says, I'm a champion. What I want you to see is that Jesus says to you, I want you to put on a new set of apparel. I want you to wear my Nikes, okay? I want you to dress yourself like you've never dressed yourself before and stop living a defeated life. Amen? Okay? Stop living a defeated life. I have called you to be hyper nikeo. I have called you to be more than a conqueror. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Come experience the epic portrayal of God's love for His creation. The Mercy Tree is a monumental live stage performance held at Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. You can choose from 10 presentations starting Tuesday, April 11th and continuing through Easter Sunday. See the miracle of Easter come to life on stage in jaw-dropping scale. Get your free tickets at mercytree2017.com today. Jesus plus nothing, 100% natural. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.